right. Episode 299, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 6, Episode 3, Fear and Loathing on the Planet of Kitson. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here with Agent Samantha. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's the end of a day, and it's time to talk about a interesting episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so, yeah, this is episode 299, by the way. You know what that yeah. means? Next episode is episode 300. Yeah, not 3,300. <laughs> I almost said 3,000. Well, it makes sense, though, because just before we started recording, my daughter poked her head in my office door and said, Night, Dad. Love you, 3,000. So it's less cute than it sounds, though, <laughs> considering she is 16. Um, so it's still sweet, but it's not like I had a five year old doing that. So, yeah. No, but it does make sense that 3,000 would be on your brain. But yeah, yeah. Next episode is episode 300 and we are going to celebrate big by talking about cloak and dagger. <laughs> so, and it might even, it might even just be me. I'm not sure. But, I can join you. Well, well, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. That was also a good episode, by the way. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about cloak and dagger. We're here to talk about. <laughs> Drugs. <laughs> well, before we talk about drugs, I want to talk about the episode title. Yeah, let's go for or it. The the name of the planet Kitson. Mm -hmm. It's actually named after um, an Agents of Shield writer and story editor, George Kitson, and oh, okay. he's been with the show since season three. That's interesting. So, I wonder why yeah. he got that honor. I don't know. Maybe they knew, drew his name out of a hat. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> or maybe he's just a big fan of Hunter S. Thompson um, or, or Terry Gilliam. Because both of them get referenced in this episode. Uh, Hunter S. Thompson wrote the book Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And if you've ever seen the movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, he's the character played by Johnny Depp. I've never seen it, but I feel like I really don't need to, especially since I'm no longer in film school. <laughs> it's it's good. It's definitely a film school movie. Uh, yeah. I, in fact, no, I was out of film school when I would have seen it. Okay. I don't think I was in film school when I saw it. But it's Terry Gilliam who directed it. Yeah. And I love Terry Gilliam. I mean, we've talked about this before. He had the movie come out, the one day only thing, um, with the man who killed Don Quixote. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Fear and Loathing in Los, Las Vegas was directed by Terry Gilliam. And there are some other, I mean, they reference a lot of things in this episode, but they definitely re reference um, just the trippy feel of uh, Terry Gilliam's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. But they also reference his uh, kind of bureaucratic uh, paperwork world um 
you find in Brazil and it, with uh, the character Price is his name. And uh, yeah, and that Jonathan just Price. Well, that's just the thing. So the character yeah. Price is the character in this episode who is demanding, demanding that they follow everything to the letter of the law. You know, they have to, you know, be inspected and this and that. The other thing, his name is Price. Jonathan Price plays the main character in Brazil, directed by Terry Gilliam, which is basically a movie about how paperwork kills everybody and and, and destroys your dreams. And it's it's a lovely, lovely movie. And I would say, depending on the day, my favorite movie ever. Of all time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while, Star Wars might edge it out and move it down to the second spot. But uh, yeah, well, I, 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 it's a lovely, depressing movie. It is. Um, it was originally titled 1985 because it's sort of a sequel to 1984, the book. Uh, yeah, actually, and the movie. I, I think it was 1984 and a half. Was it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's along those same themes about bureaucracy and and uh, oppressive governments and so forth. Um, but yeah, I saw that movie so that movie and The Graduate so many times in film school. I think I wrote three papers on Brazil alone and four papers on The Graduate. Yeah, and I have not seen either since. <laughs> but um, I, so, I, I I do remember liking Brazil. So a I just lot. reached over and grabbed my my copy of the Criterion Collection of Brazil, which <sighs> has three different versions of the movie in it, and uh, it's it's a film school movie because of just all of the behind the scenes shenanigans that went on that m- really was meant to sabotage the movie. I mean, it just it shouldn't yeah. have been finished, and what was released to the theaters was not what he actually wanted to release, and so he actually then held a press release of his cut that he wanted everyone to see uh the theater release had a happy ending and his had another you know 15 20 minutes on the end of it that were not not a happy ending um and it just there's also a book called um oh i can't see it oh there it is the battle of brazil and that is a fascinating fascinating if you love behind the scenes stuff about film and filmmaking that is a fascinating fascinating read hmm. So I I, def, I highly 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 recommend it. Okay. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So this this episode is referencing just that style, that Terry Gilliam style, um, and and then absolutely, you know, with the title, and then even <laughs> they go so far as to make you know they're going to make that connection to Las Vegas because uh, they're going to use the you know what what happens on Kitson doesn't sting. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, what is it? It it stings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have, I got the quote here. We'll get to it. Putrefies or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we'll get there. But yeah, I just really, I enjoy those references. I, I enjoy the references. So. Um, actually, the the actor who played uh, Pretorius Price, mm-hmm. the guy with who was doing the expe- inspections. Yeah. He seemed more alien than any of the characters on Kitson. 
And I think it's just because he's a shorter man who's a little stocky. I, I, they may have put some padding on him, but they put this weird costume on him and it made him look a little strange. But yeah. he did a really good job. Well, and he has something physically going on with his with his arms that um, yeah. I'm not sure I'm not sure how to describe it, but they they're not formed uh, typically, and they that that adds to the the look as well. And I've seen him in other stuff. I cannot remember, and I actually looked him up to see like what have I seen him in, and I didn't recognize anything from his IMDb list of anything I'd actually seen. Except for some, I don't know, random movie uh, from a, a while ago. But um, yeah, he very. I, I liked him a lot, as much as you can like a bureaucrat who's just going to kill you with bureaucracy. Yeah. But, uh, the other thing that was I felt that was getting riffed here was when they first entered the casino, they were absolutely riffing on Star Wars. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just the way that they shot the intro scene as they're walking into the casino, it felt like Moss Eisley. It felt like the cantina. Um, the music didn't. The music feels like this season has felt like Tron, Blade Runner, Stranger Things, the same kind of thing they were doing with the space season last season. But um, the the casino itself, yeah, you didn't have the cantina band, but you did have some of the sounds that they were putting into the the soundtrack and the way characters the droid were moving. Scanner. Yep. Droids and robots not being welcome. But it all builds into this very space-centric episode. We only go to Earth once in this episode. And that's the post-credit. Or the, the tag scene. With Sarge and um, Jocko. And I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> they, they shoot a cannon into the sky and they scan something. And then they go, uh, quote, to make a mess somewhere. So there's our tag scene. I mean, I guess we're starting backwards, but there's there's our tag scene. And what does it do? It just makes you wonder, what the heck are they even here for? Like, what really is going on here? We'll just, see. I don't I still don't think that Sarge is there um, completely on uh, malicious terms. I think he is trying to serve a purpose, but. Maybe not in our – maybe like how last season when they were in the future and they um, – the S.H.I.E.L.D. team came from a very structured, civilized place where um, in the future the humans were imprisoned and so there was sort of kill or be killed mentality. Um. I think that Sarge and his team are coming from are in the exact opposite situation where they come from a very killer be killed sort of mindset or micro society, which they, this team is a micro society um, mm-hmm. um, entering into a more civilized um, society. Yeah, well, this episode doesn't reveal very much at all as far as what's going on with them. But it does give us that tag scene to remind us, hey, don't forget, Clark Gregg, you love him. And he's bad now. <laughs> and, but he's still <laughs> got a great personality. I do think he's bad. I don't, I don't think he's... It, his mission may be a good mission, 
But it's one of those where I think it's the end. If he's good, he's a good guy who the end justifies the means. And so maybe he has a, a good ending in mind. But based on everything we've seen, he's a murdering murderer who murders and steals and kills. And somehow destruction follows them. Now, whether they cause the destruction or they're there to do something before the destruction comes, I don't know. But I just don't think that he's a good guy. Or maybe he's, I don't know, the one of the seasoned villains who may turn good towards the end. We'll see. Yeah. I, I'm not as interested in that. That doesn't interest me as much, but we'll see where they go with it. Okay. That's all we can do is wait right now. Because this episode doesn't even, it's not even about them. We're just reminded of them at the end to say, hey, don't forget we got stuff going on on Earth, too. But meanwhile, we got this stuff in space. And so we have a very space-centric episode, which I wonder if the writers right now are kicking themselves to say, you know, if we had just done everything in space and not bothered with Earth and just let everyone stay on that ship. Because at the end of last season, Coulson and May are on the beach and everyone else is on the ship making it sound like let's go find Fitz. And they would, if they were out in space right now, they wouldn't even have to think about Endgame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I wish they had to, you know, with the snap that happens in infinity war, that could have happened and they wouldn't have to mention it out in space. I mean, yes, it, it affected space, you know, uh, captain Marvel, talked about how you know she's dealing with stuff in space but but it's less uh it's less messy <laughs> let's just let's just say that if they yeah. had all just gotten on the spaceship waited until colson died bring in agent may they're all on the ship and they're all looking for fits and you know if they still wanted to tie um uh Clark Gregg back into the story, his this character of Sarge could have appeared on another planet. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't do this. I mean, here we are armchair quarterbacking, but I mean, that's what we do. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so here we are doing what we do. <laughs> it's and, not our job, but it certainly is our hobby. <laughs> yeah. 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 But we do it like it's our job, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I guess we don't do it like it's a job because our job, we have to do this. We want to do. Therefore, our hobby. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, what you said three minutes ago, but I just said it over again and not as eloquently. So anyway... Let's talk about space. And there's two plot lines happening here that dovetail together a lot faster than I thought they would. And so do you want to start with Daisy's team or do you want to start with Fitz and Enoch? Uh, let's start with Fitz and Enoch. Okay. So Fitz and Enoch are on Kitson. And their ship and cargo gets stolen by some... Bad guys who 
they're not terribly bad. They actually say, here, here's a coin. And now you can go and make a bigger fortune, you know, the way, the way you do, because this is a gambling planet. So they go to the casino and they, they have to go through a sensor to make sure no robots or, um, androids or cyborgs are allowed in and so they have to go through the sensor to make sure they're both biological and this is interesting information about enoch as a chronicon he has internal systems that match or mask his mechanical bits to make him seem human so oh, so like respiration and heartbeat and such yeah so all the stuff he fools the sensors he actually walks in very boldly and causes fits to um kind of panic a little bit he's enjoying himself and he they're friends he he actually says you're my best friend to Fitz," which is a little bit sad <laughs> but but he says it so are you feeling the data here are you feeling him as more data than spock a little bit i think his emotions are more sophisticated than data's ever was he was always he was built with the intention to always have like something akin to emotions. Yeah, but he recognizes his emotions as you know they're happening. Facsimile. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. facsimile. It's it's programmed in there. Um, and this is where yeah you have that Star Wars kind of vibe, but they also say check your weapons and your moral high ground at the door. <laughs> So I found that I don't know. It just struck me as funny. Uh, and then they come back and say it again later on. And then they come back and say it later uh, even more at the end with the, when the Chromacons come. Um, she says it before she gets thrown away uh, to the side or whatever. But so I'm wondering if that lady at the front door, was she um, an organic species or was she um, robotic herself? Yeah, I don't know. Because she repeated that every time, but that could just be part of the job. Yeah. You know, because I've had jobs where, like, my first job, um, I worked at, in a grocery store. And when I was on the register, I, every time, every transaction, I had to ask six questions, the same six, over and over again, all day long. It was scripted for you? Um, not scripted. I would try to reform them. Okay. Or reword them as best I could, but basically I had to get these six questions across to the customer um, to fulfill the shopping experience, make sure they have everything they need. Yeah. So, but this could be a script for her, you know, like, well, yeah. like the telemarketers, you know, so I've been called five times by the place that they will come and inspect your home to see if you need to have your basement sealed or whatever. <clears throat> five times in the last two weeks they've called me and said we had an appointment with you we would like to continue the process to make it uh i can't remember all the details but it was the same opening line every time and i, I got to a point where i wanted to just yell at them and say no we never had an appointment <laughs> i don't know why you're leading with that because we never had an appointment and we never will have an appointment and instead i just say no thank you and hang up yeah, um, for those who are out there, the only reason why you would need your um, your crawl space sealed is if you have uh, radon in your soil uh, under your house, and um, 
you need extra sensors. And one time my parents had um, an issue with the foundation of their house. And this guy came in and he tried to sell them on uh, $35,000 worth of repairs, which included sealing the crawl space. Uh, and he claimed that there was uh, like radon detected under the house and we had to have all this work done. And thank goodness I came in and said, please get a second opinion because <laughs> we got a general contractor in and he actually did check. And he's like, no, you don't have radon uh, under your house. There's like a nine percent chance that anyone's home has this and yeah um he there were some p- repairs that needed to be done but uh not thirty five thousand dollars worth well <laughs> well if you needed to do thirty five thousand dollars worth of repairs then you want enoch as your friend to come into the casino with you because he's able to like count cards how'd you like that um little little segue there yeah. Like yeah uh <laughs> Anyway, he can count cards, so to speak, with the various games, but he does not think he should do it. Uh, but Fitz is like, but we're best friends. And best friends do things like this together. <laughs> this is where you get another Enoch. It has all the good lines in this movie, except for all the good lines that, that Daisy and, and Simmons have. But yeah. um, he says, oh, yes, I'm aware of times when best friends have broken the law together, even murder. <laughs> and Fitz is just, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's just yeah. cheat at cards. <laughs> so, actually, this that scene reminded me a bit of the movie Rain Man. Well, with Tom, it's yeah, meant with Tom to. Cruise yeah, I mean, and, yeah, that's that's what's happening there. I, I was also thinking you know, there's a there's a gambling movie with Ke- Kevin Spacey that was a little while ago, but yeah. So Enoch, he, they play a poker like twenty uh, blackjack kind of game, and he does well, but then he. He loses bad, and the reason why is this other guy that they're they're playing with says, "You are great at cards, but dumb at people." I love that line. Like that was perfection. Like this whole script is yeah. just so well done. Even these lines that aren't meant to be laugh lines are really, really good. Yeah, what I what does make sense and what doesn't make sense at the same time. Uh, so it's kind of contradicting itself is I thought that with Enoch knowing how to play these games of chance or these gambling games, I thought that somehow learning all the rules that he would have learned about um, bluffing. Um, But maybe he did, but he didn't understand it. Well, I don't know because this was like the pre-bluff. So Fitz... Okay, as soon as the other guy is like, I'm out, Fitz can kind of see he's he's moving toward a bluff. And Fitz is trying to get Enoch to stop and not play the hand. But Enoch has a good hand, and the other guy's out. So he goes in. And so I – there's a little bit of cheating going on here, and I'm not sure the dealer maybe shouldn't have let this happen because the, the guy says, I'm out. Enoch goes in and makes his bet, and then the guy's like, oh, I'm going to go back in and, and goes back in and has a better hand than Enoch had. So Hmm. I think there's a little bit of cheating going on there too, but basically it comes down to not understanding quote human nature very well. Well, I know in at least from what I learned from celebrity poker that I saw on TV a million years ago. (laughs) um, (laughs) I can't believe that was a thing. 
like but it was so good to watch <laughs> well the the few times i tried watching it i was not drawn in but i wasn't watching celebrity poker i was watching just poker poker on some poker channel or whatever ah uh, yeah i i watched that once too and it was like eh, because everybody has their game face on it's actually kind of boring to mm-hmm. watch um but with celebrity poker um that was more interesting because um you could see people teasing and bluffing and you could see where it was actually a really good exercise for them as actors. Uh, not oh, that I condone gambling, but um, you could see who the people who were known as good actors, they were really good at poker because they all were, uh, could hone their acting skills into the game in bluffing. Um, and those who were like, I remember Kathy Griffin She's known as sort of a wild child in Hollywood, if anyone's not familiar with her. Um, and she didn't come to the uh, the lesson class before they played this game for the for the actors who weren't familiar with how to play uh, uh, Texas Hold'em. And um, so she her strategy was every hand she's all in, and she was out within maybe like two or three hands. <laughs> so. You know, good at cards. Uh, no, good at people, but dumb at cards. It sounds like for her. Um, she's good at getting attention. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Uh, okay, so they're down and out again. Mm-hmm. They don't have anything. And Enoch suggests that they try to make... First suggestion is they could make money at the brothels of Kitson. Uh, Fitz <laughs> shoots us down immediately. Which yeah, <laughs> good on you, Fitz. Uh, we don't need that. You know, this since, is a family show. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Somewhat. It's in the eight o'clock <laughs> hour again, but yeah. Enoch suggests a new game, one that's based more on mathematical outcomes and not bluffing. And Fitz feels like, yeah, that's a good idea. Why didn't we do this in the first place? <laughs> Here's the problem: it's a game that's similar to blackjack. Fitz is going to play it. Enoch will count cards and signal him, but the collateral to play the game is yourself Fitz is the collateral for this game and we see that why that's a bad idea when one of the players gets shot in the chest by an arrow that rises up from the table because he hit on four (laughs) and the dealer says you never hit on four and what I don't understand why didn't he why didn't Enoch explain to Fitz the rules of the game before they played the game? Uh maybe they ran out of time? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He gave him a couple tips. The game was starting, you know, but uh. So as they're playing, a remote override on Enoch sets off an alarm. Uh it's an alarm that's in a register that only humans can hear. Similar to where Enoch was kind of and making this little noise with his mouth that yeah I you just say to yourself it's just a show I should really just relax but okay um, yeah they they have this remote override on Enoch it means that he uh, is not uh, what's the phrase he used see if I can find it here Uh, he's decommissioned and therefore he's useless and this is where Fitz says, what's that smell? 
And Enoch says, the foul stench of the name Enoch. <laughs> oh, poor. I wanted to hug Enoch. As he, as he sinks into existential dread, <laughs> wondering, <laughs> yeah. why am I even here? Yeah, hug him and say, you know, as soon as we get back to Earth, you're a shoe in for S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's perfect for the job that he was set up for originally, which is to wait 72 years with Fitz until it's time to wake him up. But he's yeah. he's good here, too. But uh, <laughs> that smell actually is the blood of the dead gambler. And I love it because it's it's. Chekhov's blood of the dead gambler <laughs> and uh, Enoch says oh it's his it's his blood it's sulf- sulfuric it's like 80% sulfur and the next scene uh, Fitz is holding the guy's arm I'm like what in the world is going on and then he just spread this stuff up around the door because they're locked in this room and uh, he gets Enoch to snap his fingers light it on fire it explodes, and they're able to escape. And this is where things dovetail together much quicker than I thought it was going to. Not that it mattered, because what happens next. But they break down the door, and we have a reunion. That's right. Fitz and Simmons are reunited. And it briefly feels so good. So we'll talk about Simmons in a moment. But I love this. They didn't even spell it out. It was just... Oh, sulfur. And then the next thing you know, hey, come on, help me here. And Enoch snapping his fingers, creating an electrical spark. And it, it's hilarious. I love it. I'm like, what's going on? Oh, I understand what's going on. You have to think about it, though, because they did not spell it out for you. Yeah. Well, I live near some train tracks. And on occasion, there's a car that's carrying sulfur. Boy, can I smell it when it oh, comes through town. <laughs> sulfur can be bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it can be really bad. Yeah. Or it can be really good when it's the blood of an alien and you're trapped in a room that you need to escape from. So anything else about Fitz and Enoch other than what a great odd couple we have here? Oh, um, the alien that was nicknamed Green Bean. Uh, right before he grabs Fitz, he says something about taking Fitz to see Mr. Kitson. Yeah, that was interesting because this is the planet Kitson. Yes. So. So maybe this is like the Michael Corleone of of Kitson. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you get a planet named after you. Yeah. You've got you got some power. Yeah. Right. Well, let's talk about Daisy and Simmons and Piper and Davis. Uh, because we okay. also have uh, Chekhov's puffies. Okay, the puffies. I also nicknamed them space catnip because um, catnip for humans, you can it, it can be made into a tea for humans, and it really doesn't have it has absolutely no effects on humans. Um, but catnip, when you expose it to a house cat, um, depending how they're exposed to it that it can make them really hyper, like mm-hmm. just only if they roll in it, it makes them really hyper Yeah. or if they consume it, it makes them trip. It makes them trip. Uh, and they're very relaxed and purring like crazy and they love it. <laughs> so 
But I think in this show they called it puffies. The uh, some of them call it puffies. Davis called it something else. He he called it yummies. Yummies. Okay. So Daisy and Simmons called them puffies, and Davis called them yummies. And Enoch at the beginning of this episode tells Fitz, "You don't want to eat those because the the two guys who stole the ship from them have this jar full of the puffies or whatever." And Enoch says, you do not want them. They're not for human consumption. And you certainly do not want to eat them on an empty stomach. Which happened. Oh. <laughs> yeah, which happened for uh, the crew on uh, on the ship. Yeah. Uh, uh, Team Shield. <laughs> What's the name of the ship? I can't. The I Zephyr. cannot remember. The Zephyr. Thank you. So first, yeah, except for Piper, Piper did not consume any of them. No, not at all. So we start with a bounty hunter kind of guy who has a really cool device. It's like the the frisbee thing, uh, the aerobi. That's what it is. I don't know if you ever had this, but the aerobi was this ring, and the way it was shaped, it it flew much much further than uh, a regular frisbee, and they were a lot of fun to play with. Oh, yeah, my uncle had one of those. Yeah. So he throws it on the ground, steps into it, and it transports him. He zips around, and it's really cool. What is he? We don't know, but he's looking for Fitz and Enoch. And we guess we're going to get some interesting stuff with that. So arriving at the planet, I don't remember the name of the planet, but the planet of cryo-chamber builders, Daisy is very unhappy with Simmons, it comes down to, yes, Fitz was the mission, but I am the mission leader. And they want to leave, and they're going to leave. Daisy gives the order to leave, but Price stops them and says, you're in the system. And once you are in the system, you are in the system. So they're unable to leave. Uh, they have to have all of their cargo inventoried. And when they're asked about the nature of their business, Simmons says, are looking for Leopold Fitz. And the inspector says, you shouldn't have said that name because he is listening. But the he who is listening is not Fitz. It's the bounty hunter. And he comes. There's a fight. He knocks people out. Davis then knocks him out uh, by hitting him in the back of the head with a frying pan, basically. <laughs> and yeah, we're in a comedy episode, you know? This is yeah. not the heavy action and you know, people dying all over the place kind of thing. Although there are people who probably should be dead based on what happens to them in this episode. But the bounty hunter explains you and your friends are out of time. And then he reveals that he knows Fitz should be dead because Fitz died, but he's here. And so he, this reveals actually to them that he, that Fitz is still alive but the bounty hunter is there to what? Write the timeline? I don't know. I think that this has something to do with some sort of time police or something like that. Where Fitz died, he's here, so he shouldn't be here. Although the Fitz who died came with the S.H.I.E.L.D. crew, and they are the ones that he said are out of time. Not out of time in the sense that your time has run out but out of time in the sense that they are from out of this timeline. I'm really yes. curious where this is going. But there could be some really fun stuff here. Yeah. 
So I think a couple episodes ago, I said that there are two timelines, and I was incorrect. There is actually three. And I know this might be complicated for some people, but the first timeline <clears throat> was actually the um, the loop that they broke last season. That continuous loop, unbroken. That's one single timeline. Uh, the second timeline uh, would be when we saw Flint um, putting the Earth back together after S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, broke the timeline. So they've split off into a separate timeline because they've continued to live. And that is confirmed in the show, so it's canon. The third one is the one that we're currently in now, where we're seeing um, the agents trying to move on beyond this broken timeline after they've saved Earth from being cracked. So I hope I did not confuse anybody further. But No, but I would say that there's not three timelines. I would say that there is a lot of timelines a lot more because of that loop that continuous loop that they finally broke that's um, true yeah i mean just the loop itself uh, you can almost think of it as a spring as far as like the visual of it but you have one timeline going into the spring and then that just constant constant coiling back and forth back and forth back and forth back and forth until you finally have one that spirals out and and moves forward without the world getting destroyed and that's so that's your first timeline and your last timeline and then in between your second timeline is actually just happening over and over and over again um yeah i i don't know how that fits into mcu world building in general but we will see as we move forward because I'm not going to say anything specific, but there are things coming up in future MCU projects and not just one project, but projects that might explain more on the movie side, what they're thinking. But on the TV side, we've got a messy timeline and this guy might actually be there to help us sort through it. Probably yes. as a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Do you think he's connected to Sarge? I don't. I don't. I think he might be connected to the Chronicoms, actually. But I, well, I'm not not the Hunter. Oh. Um. But do you think that Sarge and the Hunter? Well, maybe. I'm sorry. I I mis uh, misstated myself. Uh, do you think that the Hunter and Sarge are on similar missions? I think we have two different things going. Okay. I have no idea because I don't know. I don't have special knowledge, but I do think we have two different things going. But I could see it being the same thing. Yeah, because I, I could see it working together like that. Because those hunters would certainly come after Sarge and his team. Because they, I don't know if, well, they're, they're from out of time. another universe. Yeah. 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 Oh, so there's a fourth timeline there. Well, that verges with the one we're currently in. At least. At least. Because you also have what they talked about with Jocko's timeline. Yes. Jocko's world. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like we're just stepping into this thing where just kind of accept it. We've got multiverses going on, we have multiple, yeah. multiple universes. And I just hope that we're able to kind of. Pick a lane 
and stick with it. <laughs> and, okay. Um, that's that's the thing with multiverses is if the story is about multiverses, I'm I'm good with it. I love it. But if the story is just we have the story and multiverses are kind of around it, um, let the multiverses, you know, Mirror Universe and Star Trek is a great example where the Star Trek timeline chugged along, but then you had these other timelines that were, you know, they would visit or the people from the timeline would visit the prime timeline, but they stuck with one. And that's what I don't want to have happen is that we don't stick with one. And maybe we need to not stick with one though, just so we can incorporate the events of Endgame into what's happening in this universe here with shield where they don't even acknowledge Endgame happening or even infinity war. They don't even acknowledge, acknowledge infinity war with the snap. So we'll see, we'll find out. There's some intriguing stuff going on here. Um, there's some intriguing stuff going on here. I'll just leave it at that. And this also brings me back to a, with Doctor Who about um, uh, theoretical timelines and such, because Doctor Who is actually a really great show that explains these things. Um, and in the show, they say that there are certain points in history that have to happen. Um, so maybe for the movie part of the MCU what happened uh, last year with Infinity War it was Thanos but with the fracturing of the universe um, maybe instead of Thanos it was what we saw last season with um, oh I can't remember his name the stash the mustache Oh, Um, oh I can't remember his name either Oh. The stash is good enough. We're gonna, yeah. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, so maybe instead of. Um, yeah. Like I said, instead of Thanos, we had him and it was a cataclysmic event. And instead of the Avengers, it was shield who saved the world. I, I think that might be where we need to point our thoughts as far as how we, how we sort through this. Yeah. So. They figure out that the ship that just left as they arrived had gone to Kitson and Fitz was on that ship because the guy, the bounty hunter, came to their ship because he was under the impression that the next ship to come to uh, Cryo Planet, whatever it's called, uh, was going to be Fitz. So they are going to go to Kitson. Price can't believe that anyone would go to Kitson. It's a bad place. And this is what he says. What happens on the planet of Kitson? And then they say, yeah, yeah, we know stays on Kitson. He says, no, it is contagious and burns. <laughs> That's the line. Uh, like lice. <laughs> so, so they go to Fitz's old ship. They interrogate the thieves. Uh, Daisy is brutal breaks the dude's hand bones with quake power without even touching them but they're able to get information about where Fitz and Enoch went they also get the puffies and so Daisy eats some and Simmons eats some and Davis eats some and when Daisy and Simmons go to the casino they are tripping and they still go inside. They're laughing. They're joking. There's a lot of funny lines and references to 
the history of the show where they're talking about, remember when we met and you lived in a van? We used to call it the Farmobile. Meanwhile, Piper figures out that Davis is tripping. And so he, she needs to go find them because they went into the casino like this. And she leaves Davis behind who promptly loses the bounty hunter. He escapes. And the bounty hunter connects to their computer, contacts someone, and they don't know what's going on with him. But when Enoch gets shut down, that alarm that got set off, that's how Daisy and Simmons realized that this was an alarm that was meant for human ears. That might be something that they should look into. And so they go, they get attacked by these Chromacons who are hunters that Enoch says this is not good because hunters are I everyone every Chronicom has a has a task and his task was archaeological and these guys their task is to be hunters and she fights them and tells Simmons go find the source and this is when they are reunited and it briefly feels so good because the disc riding bounty hunter comes takes Fitz, gets out of there before Fitz and Simmons can really be reunited. And I find it really funny because I'm watching season two, no, season three now of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with my kids, which is the planet season where Gemma goes to, you know, through the portal to this other planet and they just keep crossing paths and not, you know, they're the star-crossed lovers who aren't able to just catch a break ever and they're still not catching a break yeah which by the way the last episode we watched last night was the episode where Gemma is on the planet and we see what happens during was it the 4,722 hours or something like that yeah and great episode such oh, so a good. good episode and so when the episode before that finished and I realized where we were going with the next episode I told my kids oh the next episode is so good and so they really wanted to watch the next episode, but I made them go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and then last night we watched the last episode. Okay. And uh, yeah, it was, it was still good. It was still a great hour of television. One of the best hours of, of MCU television and definitely one of the best hours of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Absolutely. Yes. So good. Uh, yeah. So that's our episode. Were you surprised that uh, Daisy said that asked Gemma if she would be in Gryffindor? Because Gemma is obviously Ravenclaw. Obviously. I don't. I I think that um, that Daisy didn't know what she was talking about. I think she was teasing. <laughs> no, I really. I think she was teasing Gemma for liking Harry Potter. Oh. And 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 Simmons or not Simmons? Daisy knew just enough to be able to tease, but didn't know enough to really put her in the right place. That's, Daisy's that's the nerdy enough do. to know about Harry Potter. I, I don't know if she's nerdy enough to really know the different houses though. Yeah. Like, cause that's, that's something you can know the houses with a passing. Like, I don't know all the details about all the houses, but I, I know the houses. Like I, there's Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Slytherin and Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. See? Team Hufflepuff. 
I'm I think Hufflepuff. Daisy is like me, kind of know them. And Simmons is like you, really knows them and knows exactly where she would be placed. Like, and that's my kids. That's my daughters. Like they, <laughs> they know, they know they've read those books backwards and forwards three or four times. And I had to, I even asked them once, I said, is your Harry Potter fandom bigger than your Marvel fandom? Which do you think is bigger? And they think their Marvel fandom is bigger, but they spend more time with Harry Potter. And we're actually just trying to decide we're going to Florida on a vacation at the end of the summer. Do we, we have enough to go to Disney for one day or Universal for one day? I and mean, we've got a big family, it's seven people in our family. So we got enough to do one day at one of those places. And they are all about Universal because they found out not only does it have Harry Potter stuff, but it has Marvel stuff. So they don't have to choose between fandoms. Even though Marvel is Disney, it's at Universal right now. So. Um. I've had this discussion with my boyfriend because I've never been to either park. Um, and my boyfriend says that Universal is more fun for teenagers. Yeah, um, uh, we found a website that said that basically the same thing. Yeah. Uh, though I still want to visit Disney World sometime because I've never been there and I've always wanted to go. But yeah, I think your kids would have more fun at Universal. But we do have the eight-year-old. That's True. that's that's the X factor in, in deciding. So yeah. we'll okay. see. We'll see. I, either way, they're going to enjoy it. You know, they're yeah. they're going to enjoy it either way because it's, it's just one day. So we're not going to wear out the welcome of either of those places, even with jaded teenagerness on. <laughs> you know, so we'll see. We'll see. But we're we're we we need to decide soon so that we can do the fast pass reservations or whatever it is. So okay, we'll have fun with that. Thanks. Yeah. So for now, that is that's our discussion. Then I do want to thank. Uh, let's see here. I want to thank Worthy Adventures for leaving a uh, a review uh, about a Welcome to Level Seven on iTunes. Thank you very much for doing that. We appreciate it. That's a five star review. That's always nice to get. Um, I do hope that people who I've heard my rant in one of the most recent episodes that we had um, where I was talking about – not really a rant. It was an encouragement to um, leave reviews for podcasts that you listen to that you did take that to heart. I would love to hear from you what podcasts you left reviews for that aren't our podcast um, because – First of all, I'm just curious, like what, what else do you guys listen to? Uh, but second of all, because I'm serious, I'm curious and I'm serious when I say, um, and I'm not saying this to just get reviews for us because I, I really hope you're hearing the heart of what I'm saying is let people know that you appreciate them. And that's not just podcasts. I, I think that's a life lesson. Let people know you appreciate them because they will appreciate knowing that you appreciate them. Uh, the other thing I would like to say is this is also something I very much appreciate. We got a number of messages from people about um, the feed not working uh, on various podcatchers. And I, d I didn't notice on my own because um, I hadn't checked our feed for a long while. And so it's been a couple of weeks that the feed wasn't working. And so I do want to thank everyone who sent us a message uh, let us know what was going on. Let us know what um, podcatcher they were using. 
and and just let us know that they weren't able to get things through the RSS feed. The RSS feed should be fixed for anyone who needs to use it. So it should be fixed for every pod, whatever you listen to your podcasts on. You should be able to now uh, with the RSS feed. So I, I just want to thank you guys for bringing that to our attention and for allowing us uh because you brought it to our attention to to jump in and fix it as soon as we could. So thank you very much for that. Uh, anything else? I have some thank yous. Let's hear them. Okay, it's for our Patreon patrons, Andrew, Jeffrey, Tassel, 084, Blessed Cheesemaker, and Dre. Thank you guys all very much. Yeah, I also want to say thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. So, yeah, thank you. Oh, but... I forgot. Daniel. Daniel Butcher sent uh, audio feedback. <laughs> Daniel Butcher, audio feedback. Here we go. Ha. Ha. Agent Daniel here. God damn watching here and looking on Barry Kitson. Ha. Huh. You, you know, for like 150 episodes, I sold this stuff. Sold it hard. Told you in the good times and bad times that it was good times. Huh. Did I, did I just watch that? That, that's the best we got? It's free. Huh. Um. So, I just got done watching Stranger Things Season 2, and I watched Season 3 trailer, and I'm not like a giant fan of Stranger Things. It's fine, but I watched the trailer, and then I looked over at my family, and I said, huh, that's, that's Gonzo, in a good way. They're like, huh, Gonzo, in a bad way? It's a mess. It's not hot. Say it. Not, not a hot mess. Maybe we could try harder. You know, like maybe acting direction that's not just so act completely and utterly silly. Should they use the words high and tripping? But. When they're not, it just doesn't not active great. And kudos to Marvel and ABC and Disney for finding cost effective ways. I mean we watched them before create these little bottle sets in space. Now everything in space pretty much looks the same, including the rickety wooden stairs. Because you know what I you know what it screams to me when I see rickety wooden stairs? It's not horror movie. What it screams to me is I'm in space. I'm on a, an alien world. I mean, I know not everywhere is Star Trek in the United somewhere was. I just, huh. Even the Kitson thing feels uh, at a certain point like and it over and over again next to John. 
Oh, that was bad. And that is where Daniel reached the end of our three-minute limit. <laughs> Uh, fortunately, uh, for us, we get to get the final part of this message. We were going to find out, uh, what was that word he just said? That was bath time. That was baccalaureate. It's so good. <laughs> that was batrock the leaper. Uh, let's find out. You know, I should have left it where it was, but I'm driving, and I got even more steam. Because the fact of the matter is, this episode, huh, bad. It's 40 minutes to get us to just having the universe. I'm using air quotes here in my car. The universe take away Fitz and Simmons again. Come on. Really? Really, the entire 40 minutes of wasted action, not existed, non good action, just to have this taken away. And I'm going to come off and I'm going to sound critical. You know what? Maybe if they were worried about getting canceled, maybe this episode wouldn't have happened. All right. Let's make sure I don't call back in again. You know me, though. I do what I want. Calling from your car. I could not tell. By the way, Daniel, I am about to lecture you. Do not mess with your... Actually, I'm, I'm about to give a really good case for everybody that's listening. Do not mess with your cell phones while driving. It's dangerous. You can get into accidents. Please do not mess with your cell phones while driving, even just to talk. Okay, end of lecture. Okay, so the word was bad. That's the word bad. that he was looking for. Bad. Um, he didn't like this episode. Uh, no, no. Uh, he thought it was bad, as in drugs are bad. Um, which, which I think is a point. Yeah. Well, in this episode, I, I think I mean, the the uh, they definitely they got to the whole tripping out thing without them purposefully ingesting uh, illicit substances. But they, uh, yeah, I I think this goes beyond just the universe keeping them away from each other and goes into giving Simmons a reason to continue looking for fits. Like she had to see the proof. And this way, this is why Daisy and that team, they're going to stay in space a little bit longer because they're looking for fits and they know he's alive now. And so was this 40 and minutes Leo of wasted action? Alive. No. Well, and Leo knows Gemma is alive too. Well, that's and a huge in... surprise. Yeah. I mean, they're not supposed to be there. And, and so, yeah, Fitz was not looking for her. He is getting ready to wait for her. And I think that this episode was here to bring them together, to show them both for Fitz. The game has changed. And for Simmons, she's on the right track. He's still alive and there's proof because they have Enoch now. And so, you know, with, with Daisy fits is the mission. And I do wish they could take Davis home so he could be with his family uh, and then go back on the trail. But for right now they, they know. And so I, I think that there's more of a reason to, to this 
this is moving things forward. I don't feel like this is a static episode. I don't feel like this is a bottle episode. I feel like it's moving things forward. But I'm also really glad to have Daniel's voice on this episode to say all the things that we didn't say, you know, to, to be that negative critic because we liked this episode. Well, I wouldn't say negative. I would say counterpoint. I would say his critique is negative. Well, that's because you're you. He's not negative. (laughs) His critique is negative. He's not the negative critic. But his critique to say this is a bad episode, this is bad, that's a negative critique. And yeah, I I think that it's it's good to have someone to kind of balance out our our good critique. Yeah, because hearing Stuart and myself agree can be boring. (laughs) So, Daniel, come back on the show, man. Come back on the podcast. You are missed. Come on. It's okay. No one's going to bite you. (laughs) Well, I can't speak for Ben, but I'm not going to bite you. Come on. I would not bite Daniel. I mean, he is (laughs) a very good friend, but (laughs) I would not bite him. And the reason I would not bite him, Samantha, is because I am not comfortable with this level of intimacy, even with my best friend. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcome to level seven.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level seven. You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven, or by following us on Twitter where we are level seven pod. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls. You can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. All right. So, Samantha, not MCU, but relevant to your interest, uh, the Wolverine podcast is back. Yes. Season two, The Lost Trail. Uh, so if you are a Stitcher subscriber, you are actually able to listen to the whole thing. <laughs> and I might do the one month free and and just okay. binge watch or binge listen, I guess, to the whole thing. But if you're not, it's free on iTunes or it's it's just free. It's out there. Um and it'll be released weekly on Wednesdays. And I listened to the first episode of the season. It's decent. It's good. Uh, it's setting up stuff, it's setting up a lot of stuff because it's a new season. And so I'm willing to go along with it because the first season was really, really good. And I have a feeling this will be more of the same. But. Well, it's going to be a little bit different because instead of the wilderness of Alaska, we're in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing yeah. I might suggest is when they go to credits and talk about uh, the people who star as the different characters in the episode, um, don't listen to that because it actually mentions a few people by name 
that I would have rather not heard that they were going to be in the episode because there's some mysteries and people that you don't know who they are until I don't know if they're when they're going to reveal it, but they didn't reveal it in the first episode, but they did reveal it in the credits. Let's just put it that way. Mm, okay. So. Oh, I'm looking at the cast list now. Yes. Yep. There's some spoilers. Yeah. It's minor. It's minor stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to ruin it for you by any means. No. But if you're familiar with Marvel characters, especially X characters, then there's two names in particular uh, that, that kind of spoil the upcoming surprise. So okay. that's all I'm going to say about that. Um. I was speaking with my boyfriend earlier tonight, and he, um, depending on where he is and what his schedule is uh, when they finished this season, he may come on our podcast and discuss Wolverine with us. Mm. Yeah. He or is, he'll call in, depending on what He has thus happens. far avoided his voice appearing on this, no, epi- on this podcast. He's been in a uh, an after credit before because uh, growing up he had never seen E. T. Oh, that's right, you did do that. Yeah, I forgot about and that. And he did not like E. T. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, he didn't like it. That just oh, hmm. Oh well. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. <laughs> and uh, check out Wolverine: The Long Trail, Long Trail, Lost the Trail, Lost, Lost trail. trail. Yeah. You can also listen to Wolverine, The Long Trail, which is about him on a covered wagon headed west to claim some land. But he might die. He might die of dysentery. (laughs) No, he won't. He's Wolverine. It's Wolverine. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Samantha. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye.